Some Man City fan apparently slugged him. Oh, I like Jeremy. Shit, you're old. It was a direct attack at you. Like, you look every bit 30, huh? He'll be killed by a number of men in the dugout. Watch, watch, rumbles on. Pina colada, large one. Yes, coming in hot with episode 15, season two, Football Played on Paper podcast. Um, we're back to a full compliment. We've got all of the boys in the house um, and we have to get cracking because we've got an opening question. Stacked weekly happenings. There's a lot going on, especially in uh, Patrice Evra's world. Full round of <laughs> prem fixtures. Um, and then we'll dive into our, our fantasy league and how well or poorly that is going for some of you. Um, and then we'll check in with the the multi. So Dollar Dom's gone silent. So Job took over the multi last week. So everyone blame him. Uh, but quickly whip around, boys. How are you feeling after the weekend, Job? Yeah, good. Um, it's good to see Barney back. No bumps and bruises from that um, union rally, but uh, really <laughs> glad to have Barney back on board. <laughs> yeah, Barney, how do you feel being back, mate? Yeah, Jobber was uh, begging me to come back. He said it was off the rails last weekend, uh, last week. So yeah, I'm here to bring it back in line. Mm, actually, Barney, how many times did you say smoothly. dog? How many? Chuck up with Fuck off, dog. <laughs> and um, and Halsey, you've gone the hat to match Barney for some reason. Um, yeah. What are you citing? Lockdown pro- hair problems? Yeah, or? it's a protest thing. That's for sure. <laughs> um, good to see that we're back to four bags full as well. Well, Job, you owe me five bucks because um, I um, you had receding hairline, so there you go. Um, anyway, <laughs> we better get into it. Uh, Barn dog, let's go. You got an opening question for the boys. All right, we've got an opening question again, and what we want to look at here is which player has impressed you the most so far, and it can't be from your club. Shawno, I'll throw to you first. Who who have you got? Yeah, I had um, I had Michael Keane from uh, Everton, but then. <laughs> um, I had to reverse back for the figure that. skating or for the uh, <laughs> yeah. football for for a, a number of hours. No, I think um, I think I'm going to go uh, Mo. I think like uh, his Cheers. season was a bit up and down um, <laughs> last year, and I suppose that was a lot to do with um, the service and what was going on behind him. Like essentially, Liverpool's backline fell apart, which meant the midfield had to go back and be centre backs, which I think really cut down on his service and his and his output, but. Now Liverpool are back to a full complement behind him. He just looks so sharp. And especially the other day when he took his shirt off. Whew, that body oh, fat percentage. That's, that's, that's like shit, doesn't he? Yeah. That's got to oh. be 3%. 3% tops. Better um, than Ronaldo. I mean, yeah. Well, I think Ronnie has a <laughs> better body aesthetically, but I think Mo is more ripped. Oh, like he's even yeah. got his water weight down. So, yeah, yeah I'm going to go with uh, Mo money, Mo problems. All right, Jabba, who you got, mate? Yeah, so I, I had Mo Money, Mo Salah, but um, I'm going to digest what Sean said first. So I'm going to change to Declan Rice. So um, I think the Hammers have been excellent and the way that they're playing, like a bit deeper, really suits Declan Rice. And obviously, they've gone to Europe and he's having a great old time. Um, but he just, he just brings like such a beautiful, like if Mo Salah's like doing all the headline stuff, Declan Rice is just like humming along, doing all those one percenters so well that you're like, I just can't believe someone didn't come in for him from the summer because it looks like he's the answer to so many teams' problems. Um, and he, just, again, impressed me against Manchester United, just so disciplined in the way he plays. Um, so I am going against everyone. I'm going to believe the hype because, um, you know, English youngsters just don't get enough hype nowadays. But Declan Rice is my man. <laughs> 
Exactly. Get him in the news. Josh, who you got? Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with Kovacic. I think um, I don't think he's. I haven't seen all of his games or anything, anything like that. But um, what I have seen of him has been really impressive. I think even now he he looks he looks like the player that you sort of expected him to be when he sort of came to Chelsea. I think he looks confident. He's he's getting assists. He scored a goal, and I think he's he's not just that like. I guess he. I, I used to liken him to like a Vidic in that sort of like that defensive midfielder tackler type player, but now he's got that. He's using that whole extra element going forward. So, really uh, appreciate that. I do a dollar one to say Harry Kane there, Halsey. Um, <laughs> who, who, do you, who do you have, Barney? Oh, sorry, Harry. Harry Kane hasn't played yet, has he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, good one. Thanks, mate. Um, I actually had one in my head, but then I'm, I'm going to change it up after Josh brought up Chelsea again. So uh, I'm actually going with Marcus Alonso. So he's been seriously impressive at left back and it's a bit of a resurgence for him this year. He came in a bit last year when Tuchel came in, but now um, he's clearly the starting left back for the team and he's absolutely killing it out there and he um, gets forward so well and he just like drifts into the center and plays as like an extra striker and it's unreal some of the stuff he does for a left back. Um, very impressive. And he's gotten like, like he, it's like he was in, when the, in the first season he came to Chelsea. He was so good, and now he's uh, at that form again, but like four years older, which is pretty impressive. I think he's doing so well because um, Chelsea are on top. Like he's not the best defender, um, so but obviously going forward, he's just so prolific. Like he's in the box all the time. Like he's on the end of crosses and stuff like that, which is exactly what you want from your left back. And he's always in there <laughs> delivering stuff. It, but he's that's what you want from your left back when you're on top and you're going forward. So I think now that Chelsea are you know, steady at the back and they don't need as much defensive cover, I think that's why Chilwell's out the team and why you would go with someone like Alonso. Like why not just, yeah, throw someone yeah, else in es- there and get someone else in the box. Especially in a five. Like if they're playing if they're playing like four at the back, four, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Chilwell's in there every day of the week. But when they're playing like with the three behind him at centre back, like it helps him out so much by being able to get forward. Um, but yeah, that's that's who I'm got going with. So we'll move on to the weekly happenings here. And I mean, it doesn't look good for Mauricio Pochettino. He subbed off Messi and I believe it was the seventy fifth minute. Uh Messi didn't shake his hand. His days are numbered, surely, Shauna. See, I love the still photo of Messi sitting on the bench. He looked fucking furious. And you could tell what was going through his mind was this wouldn't happen at fucking Barcelona. Yeah, so, uh, like, yeah, I mean, Potch's, what was it? It was a one-all 15 minutes ago. They needed a goal and you take Messi off. It's, it does seem a little bit unusual to bring on a right back um, in that situation. So, yeah, I mean, I hope Potch knows what he's doing because if there's one, someone you don't want to go against, it's probably Messi because I think more often than not, um, you, what you're going to find here is a uh, Alan Shearer, Rude Hallett scenario and uh, he'll come off second best. Oh, I love that reference. Bloody hell. Um, but is Pochettino justified? They won the game. Well, that, that's, all, that's all I said. I hope he knows what he's doing, right? Because he yeah, fucking well, pissed Messi off. Yeah. But it's interesting because um, Cristiano Ronaldo got some... What, oh, are we we at, what are we at now? Seven minutes. Um, Cristiano <laughs> Ronaldo was taken off against young boys. Um, and you see the difference Who? in the characters. Uh, so Cristiano Ronaldo gets taken off and he's like, oh, well, I'm off now as a player. I must start, you know, obviously I've got to be the first team manager now. And start sort of barking instructions, getting the boys up and about. <laughs> Messi, they're down in the slums and he sits on the bench pouting. I have uh, I have been drawing some parallels between the Messi and Ronaldo situation now that no both are done that new before. clubs. 
Yeah. Sorry, no, <laughs> I know it's it's a new take, but I just mean with the new clubs. Like, so we played they played a few games. Ronaldo scored a couple of goals for Manchester United. Let's say, be respectful and say, a worse on paper club than PSG, perhaps just on transfer values. <laughs> In a tougher league, though, so that's a compliment to Ronaldo. And Messi still hasn't scored for PSG, has he? Not as yet. No, no. I so it's hard when he's riding the bench. <laughs> Maybe time to put some respect on Ronaldo's name. <laughs> What <laughs> a young Portuguese yeah, no been, no like no one's never heard of. That's never done any that's never done before. We've marked that time down in the uh, episode. Alrighty. Let's uh let's move on to uh, another bunch of strugglers, and that is Juventus. So they drew one all with Milan uh on the on the weekend, and they're now in the relegation zone, right down the bottom there with some uh some fellow battlers in Cagliari and Salonatana. Yeah, I've said that correctly. Well done, That's Tim. for sure. Well done. So, yeah, Juventus are sitting in 18th at the moment, a very unusual spot for them, and it's not looking good. They have played some tough teams. and They've had to come up against Napoli and against, obviously, Milan, um, but they should still definitely not be down there. Jobba, what do you think the problem is? Uh, I think it's just, uh, like, taking Cristiano Ronaldo out of that team, like, shifted the paradigm a lot because it used to be all about Ronaldo there, so it was like, get the ball to him, and that was at the... Um, Probably at the like a negative impact for Dybala, but now it's sort of changed and it's not all about Ronaldo anymore. So there's going to be an adjustment period. But I think they have had a pretty tough draw. So they had Udinese, they lost to Empoli uh, and lost to Napoli as well. But they did beat Atalanta. So it's only four games in. So it's going to take a little while. And also Allegri had to clean up the shit show that Perlo left. They, um, I mean, they went up against Napoli, but not a lot of teams get points out of Napoli. So if you've got points out of Napoli this this year, you've done really well. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with Job. I think there's a big shift in the team. Uh, Benucci come out and said when Ronaldo left that this is Dybala's team now. He needs to drive it forward and he will become the main man. So there's obviously just going to be that adjustment period. I don't expect it to last, but I also don't expect um, yeah, Juve to have a, have a great season really. I mean, that's just a huge hole, Ronnie leaving and a big adjustment um, to be made. I also don't expect to see Paul Pogba going back there if this continues either. I, I read this week that um, he was still sort of floating around, oh, should I um, you know, accept a new deal from United that's been offered or or do I? is my heart still in uh, Turin and, and should I go back there? So, yeah, I can't see that happening for Juve fans either. Yeah, it doesn't look good for them at the moment. So uh, next one we've got here is the Israeli League and we'll just give you a bit of an update on what's happening over there. So... In a, a match the other day, there was a streaker ran on the field, um, so already a wanker. Then he runs over to one of the players, shoulder charges him in the back when he's not looking, just adds to it. And dog. then he runs, uh, yeah, yeah, dog. Then he runs over to another player, and he goes to sort of he goes to run past him. The player looks at him, and then he changes direction to try and shoulder charge him. The player dodges it, grabs him around the neck, and throws him to the ground. And then security get him and take him off. And then the referees uh, take on all this. I'll send the player off for touching the streaker. Josh, what do you what do you think about this? Is this a bit shit from the ref? Yeah, it was a pretty bad call because I think if you throw your mind back to Tottenham Crystal Palace, it was a very similar challenge to Tanganga on Zaha. And that was only a yellow card. So I don't know how the ref got a red from this one. And if you look at where it was on the pitch, it was sort of in the defensive third. And it was sort of heading to the sideline, I think. So it wasn't like it really broke down any meaningful attack. So I don't see how it's a straight red. Um, maybe a warning, um, if anything. But uh, I don't know. There was no stomp or anything afterwards. So I think I think it's a bit harsh, if you ask me. 
It's it's a weird red card to get sent off for um, tackling a streaker, obviously. The, another weird one is I've seen um, a guy have a shot, hit the crossbar, breaks the crossbar, and then he gets a red for um, breaking the breaking <laughs> too, the crossbar. Too, too powerful, kid. Yeah, what league was like that in? 90s MLS type stuff. Um, <laughs> oh, that. So MLS, That, that was yeah. when they were taking those penalties where you could still dribble up, stuff like the that. The 1v1. Oh, like so, hockey, yeah, yeah. Weird, weird stuff. But um, there you go. That's the type of stuff we cover, so you don't have to watch the Israeli league. We'll send you a link after this. Uh, last one we want to touch on here is Patrice Evra and his Instagram madness. He's done it again. He's got more crazy videos out there. Jobba, do you just want to run us through his last two? So I'm going to need to set the scene first, Sam. But um, So Cristiano Ronaldo uh, has a mansion in Manchester. So they're out on a farm. Um, and Georgina Rodriguez, his partner, uploaded a photo of the sheep at the farm. So... This week, Cristiano Ronaldo actually moved his family out of that mansion into another mansion because he couldn't sleep due to the noise that the sheep were making. So Patrice Evra being the kind-hearted man that he is, and again, I'd like to emphasize, I love this game. Um, but Patrice <laughs> Evra <laughs> uploaded a video onto his Instagram and it has to be seen to be believed. So Patrice Evra is on a boat with uh, some sort of sheep whistle and the boat is full of sheep and the caption is... Don't worry, bro, at Cristiano, I'm moving my sheep. Hashtag, I love this game, can do everything. And Patrice <laughs> Evra, I don't, I don't know where the boats come from. I don't know what's out in the ocean. I don't know where the sheep have come from, but he's got it sorted. I, I got a question to all you guys. Do you reckon Patrice Evra's got a sheep guy? Yeah, he's got so a he guy just for got, everything, for yeah, sure. He's got to, he has to. For these ridiculous Instagram videos, he's got to have a guy for everything. He just calls him up. Yeah, mate, I need sheep on a boat in an hour. I don't know who's producing um, his Instagram. Like, who's the content creator going, right, what do we need? We need something that's relevant. Ronaldo, <laughs> Ronaldo wants sheep moved. But, uh, like, if you're Ronnie, like, what, just just eat lamb chops for dinner. Like, shoot the sheep and eat Yeah, cook like, them up. Why, why do you move, move mansions from... so you don't disturb the sheep? Shouldn't the sheep move so you don't disturb him? He owns then we got... don't get this piece of beauty from Patrice Ebra. That's true. Like, that's true. And, so if you do want to get in touch with him, um, we will put uh, the link tree in the bio too because like i can't imagine a bloke doing that sort of shit is busy either so he's gonna respond yeah (laughs) do a collaboration i don't think he's just got just one just one content director i reckon he's got a team it Mm, takes a team to manage that instagram account that's for sure all right let's get into the games and there were plenty of good ones uh we'll start on probably not the best of the lot but that was uh arsenal one burnley nil the battle at Turf Moor, and uh, Arsenal came out on top. It was a potential relegation six-pointer at the start of the game, but now, seeing as Arsenal won, it's uh, looking a bit better for them. So Burnley couldn't get the win, even though Daishi signed on for four more years. So, Jobber, what do you think of the performance? Good by Arsenal? Uh, no, no, I'm still not sold. <laughs> um, so, so Burnley, Burnley had a total of 18 shots in this game, and like Arsenal were pretty bereft of chances. But, like, you'll take a 1-0 win. And it did take a moment of class from Martin Odegaard to win this game. But, like, it it was a game that was basically bereft of good chances, I think, and a real lack of quality from both teams. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's what you expect. The the one, I guess, shining light for Arsenal probably was Odegaard, not just a free kick, but he did seem like he was on the ascendancy and, like, getting on the ball a bit more and, and passing it around a bit. But aside from that, it wasn't... Still dark times for Arsenal, I'd say, and they were not lucky to get away with the win, but um, 
wouldn't have been undeserving if Burnley had got a point or three from this one. Um, interesting as well in that one was that 11 different players had a shot for Burnley as well on that game. Wow. That's interesting stuff. Crazy. Um, it, it's far from like vintage Arsenal, but it's obviously a step in the right direction, a clean sheet and, and a win. And I think just as you say, Job, that bit of um, quality from uh, Erdegaard on the on that free kick is just what separates these teams. And I think Arsenal will be able to beat teams like Burnley just simply because of that, just, just because if they can keep it tight at the back, they do have a little bit of cutting edge where they can um, like pinch that goal. But yeah, a nice finish. Interestingly, uh, Bert Leno started on the bench and, and Ramsdale started. So... Yeah, it looks like um, he's made a change there. Arteta said last week that um, the the week before was his favourite week in football and one that he's enjoyed the most. So he didn't win a game that week, so um, that's interesting. So I'm presuming this week he'd be absolutely buzzing. Well, Same ben week White and everyone was calling really for his head, attempt. right? Yeah, ben, ben White made a really good attempt to um, try and ruin that week with a back pass, and I thought that was <laughs> Like, oh, I thought so only, too. Like, I, uh, I thought that was. Uh, I, I didn't have pendant on that. No. Wait, my, is that the one where Rams it looked like Ramsdale yeah. might have clipped him? Yeah, yeah, on his right foot. Uh, yeah. I thought that was a pen. I'm okay with that. Mm, no, geez, no pen. They got, they got lucky there. Yeah. But no, Ben White, big money signing. That's that's what you get. So that's what you pay for. Yep. It was the weekend to rescind pens, so but, you know and, it, oh. it's happening everywhere. And Arsenal have gone away from um, a back three as well. They played a, a back four. So I think, I don't know, they seem much more solid with a four. Or they seem not not solid. I suppose it looks like their players understand it better when they play with a four, I think. I so. think it's also the players they have in there as well. Like they got Ben White and Gabriel at the back. We talked about them last week being like the best pairing for them. Tommy Asu's added a lot to their right side, I think. Like consistency, solid defensively. And then we all know Tierney's one of their best players and he's solid on the left. So it's like a, it's like a good solid back line that can be fairly consistent for them, which is what they need. They just need consistency at this stage. And having yeah. uh, Thomas Party back in front of them obviously helps helps them look even better again. Um, I, I think with um, Tierney, he, he can be like he's, – he's a good player, but I think he, he can be a great player if he's left in that position and sort of plays that position back-to-back um, week in, week out. I think what's will hurt his game over the long run is because he's so good and, and as you say, one of Arsenal's better players, he's asked to do a lot of different jobs. So at various stages last year, he played, um, he played uh, what was it? He played left back in a back four. He played um, left back in a back three and then he played wing back in a back three and he even played at centre back last year. So I think if you play him in a back four at left back, for a series of games, he'll he'll get his feet under the desk, and I think he'll move from being a good player to a great player. Yeah, and I think I think adding to that too, I think Gabriel made a big difference. Like he was well up for the fight. Um, was his? I think Ben White's you know more of a fancy type new age centre back, but Gabriel G- Gabriel has well that, up for the fight. Gabriel has that attribute which all the other Arsenal players don't, and so that's why that attribute you speak of is just so important for yeah. Arsenal because he has it, no one else does. Him and Party, like you look at when you're like, we need to roll the sleeves up. Yeah, like those two. And on the weekend, they were the best players just through their industry and aggression. Um, Outside of Odegaard, obviously getting a cracking goal. But with Party and Gabriel in there, you get a little bit more confidence that the team actually has a little bit of steel about it. Yeah. How good was that clearance off of um, Ashley Barnes's foot by Gabriel? Yeah, like that's real defending. Yeah, Barnes is clearing and he just gets that last foot in, clears it. You'd see how distraught Barnes was. Yep. But we'll- uh, Love to see it. We'll move on from that one. So good win for Arsenal. Uh, we all know Turf Moor is not an easy place to get a win. Um, so we'll move on to the next one we got here, which was Man City nil, Southampton nil. 
So great result for Southampton, not so good for City. Uh, from what I saw, they just looked a bit bit flat and just they didn't have that cutting edge that we, they sort of seem to have well, have had since the, since they lost to Tottenham and then just they really turned it up to another level and, yeah, just looked a bit flat. I think Saints looked good as well. Um, but, yeah, Sean, what did you think of the game? Yeah, I thought the Saints were, were good for a point, really. Um, I think they limited um, Man City's chances. I think Man City only had one shot on target. So it's not like people thinking that, um, oh, Man City missed out on uh, Harry. He, they missed out on Ronaldo. But a striker won't resolve their problems at the moment It's because I don't think they're creating a lot of chances. It's not as if they've got heaps of chances and no one's finishing them, which everyone thought that their problem might be when they don't have a recognized striker. So, yeah, I thought Southampton did really well. Had a bit of a scare late on on the um, – was a disallowed goal or – yeah. So, I think you could see Ralphie uh, when that was turned over. He ran back like this and, um, and yeah, secured a, <laughs> secured a point. So, yeah, great point for Southampton. Man City battered them in terms of possession. The most interesting stat coming out of this is Man City one shot on target, Southampton two. Did anyone else watching the game think that Southampton looked Look, the more dangerous team. A little bit, yeah. I mean, I every time they, they seem that. to they seem to stretch them, and then there was also Kyle Walker's moment um, with Adam Armstrong. And again, I'm I'm pretty happy that that wasn't a penalty. Really? Yeah, I think I think he got across the front of him, like he'd done enough to get in front, and then Armstrong uh, sort of clatters him. Yeah, well, I sort of I think Barney and I spoke about this a bit yesterday, and I sort of said, yeah, I, the same sort of thing. He did the right thing where he tries to step in and sort of possess the ball, but. It just looked maybe for me that he was he was doing that from too far behind. Too when far, you do that, yeah. Like from the side is fine, but he kind of stepped in front, and then that basically makes it a trip because you. But I don't know. It's for me, it could have gone either way. I'm not I'm not disappointed, but I think it also then wasn't a big enough error on the refs' behalf behalf to like rescind the penalty though. So I don't know. Yeah, well, interestingly, Pep calls the yeah, well, Pep calls the fans back uh, into the stadium, and then they dish up this shit. Um, and I also think it was I'll interesting. Love his yeah, I also think it was interesting that when um, Ralph Hassenhutel got uh, was it a point against Liverpool, or they beat Liverpool. He's on they the ground. Beat crying. Liverpool last year. He cried. Yeah, yeah. He gets a point at Etihad, and he's just like, oh yeah, another week, boys. Well done. Business. Um, does he not respect Pep Guardiola? Clearly not. Similar to Man City fans, I don't think he respects him. <laughs> just, <laughs> no they just don't does. turn up. <laughs> but I guess as flat as uh, as sort of City were like the Saints also looked very good. And like you said, like they looked really good going forward and they just like they can really click it into gear when they're on and just move the ball around so quickly and sharply. Uh, and they're really fluid in the forward line. And like Armstrong and Shea Adams up front, it's just like a really nice um, combo for them, I think. And Armstrong's probably been one of the more impressive players this season for sure. Like um, he, the way he's adapted to the Premier League, like never playing in it before. Um, and he's been, yeah, really good for them. Yeah, and that high press at times from Southampton was an absolute joy to watch. Like if you're mm. if you're a, a fan of defensive type activities, like I just thought the way they pressed was just so impressive. So uh, something that happened before the game, which we just have to touch on, was the um, Man City statement in their match day program. So we all know the comments during the week from Pep saying, "You know, come on, go to all the fans, come on, get in. We got to got to get the support behind the team." And that was received not not well by the fans, uh, and then so this week they thought, oh, what's what's one way to fix the you know the sort of the talking point that Man City don't have any fans? Well, let's let's you know talk about it, talk about it in the <laughs> match day program and talk about how 
big our uh, record attendance is compared to Southampton, who, by the way, have a thirty-three thousand less seats in their stadium. <laughs> just sorry, twenty-three thousand. Just 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 a smidge less. The, the irony of that in the match day state in the match day like program is that if you don't have fans to be there to read it anyway, it's like dividing anything or multiplying anything <laughs> by zero. It's just always zero anyway. Like it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> but so, it's just like it's like it's like one of those issues where it's like if we just don't talk about it for a week, it will go. <laughs> everyone will stop talking about it. The news cycle will continue and it will be gone again. But no, let's raise attention to it and let it drag on for another week. Like, yeah, sure, you're smarter than that as the but, media person for Man City. I, I thought I thought Pep um, was spot on with his comments. I, he's got I got no problem with him saying, you know, come to the stadium. Why don't you come and watch us? We've got all these players. This is the style of football we play. Like giving a rally call. I thought it was so poorly received by City fans um, that like, oh, you know, don't tell us what to do. The tickets are expensive. Um, you know, it's hard to catch a tube out there. Um, all these type of reasons, which I heard, I think it was like the secretary of the fans club or something like that come on. And, yeah, and I think said, it was. Yeah, so I'm just like, oh, it's just so pathetic. And then um, Pep's like, oh, if you don't like it, I, I can go then if you don't like my comments. So, like, so you imagine that, like these fans that don't turn up um, throw something in Pep's face and Pep cracks it and leaves. Like you're going to lose the best manager in the game because if you, you can't like afford the um, ticket or you can't be bothered catching the train out there. It'd be good. <laughs> It'd be good if Pep could sit down with all six of them in a room and just nut it out. Like, <laughs> like a Zoom call maybe. <laughs> yeah, you, can do, mean, you can do it and not like go over your restrictions either. You can just have a picnic in the park with all the City fans. <laughs> I think single vaxxed. Well, one of, the, one of the problems with City at the moment is that as well that they're, we're only five games in. They're already three points off the, off the pace. So, I mean, that might not sound a lot after five games, three points. You should be able to catch that up. But I think one of the problems is they're, they're three points off the pace to three other teams. Do you know what I mean? So, it's not as if they've got one team to track down and it's only one win and you can beat them and get on top of them. Like, you've got um, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United all three points in front of you already. So, I mean, yeah, Man City better um, sort this out sooner Chelsea this, than later. Chelsea this week and they can straight away get back into it. Six-pointer. And they also haven't but, had this a tougher start to the season either. Like, yeah, but uh, uh, Tottenham. And, but job, that, that's yeah. what I'm saying about. I don't think when you say they beat Chelsea, they're straight back into it. Well, Liverpool, man, you go out and win. They're still three points off the off the pace this time, just to two teams. Do you know what I mean? So that's what I'm saying. Like three points might not sound a lot, but when you're three points behind three teams who are chasing a title, it's yeah, it's time. Yeah, well, they do have they have Chelsea and Liverpool back to back. So um, it's crazy that that is the way it's worked out, but it's well, that's, be a- that's, and that's I guess that's the problem for them. They've got to win both, both of those yeah. to stay in contention or like this early on. But whereas the point does it, just fine for those other guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, let's move on to the Liverpool game. So it was Liverpool three, Crystal Palace nil. So a pretty standard, stock standard win for Liverpool. A bit of a scare early on, but they wrangled it back and um, yeah, ran out sort of. Easy winners, I'd say, in the end. Josh, is that how you saw the game as well? Yeah, pretty much sums it up just fine, I think. It was... Uh, right, let's move pretty, on to the next pretty one. Pretty succinct, yeah. No, I nailed it. No, I thought, um, yeah, like early on, it seemed like uh, Crystal Palace were like getting to every second like loose ball and they were sort of... Those early chances they had were like sort of half clearances from corners that were just put back in the mixer and they were reacting faster. So, yeah, it was, it was a nervy first, I'd say like 15 or so minutes. Uh, and then after half time, there was another 10, 15 minute period where Crystal Palace looked like on top. Um, aside from that, I think Liverpool were definitely uh, the better team and they, they took their chances a lot better. Um, so, yeah, pretty, another good 
good to see a clean sheet with a bit of a different lineup, bit of a different back line. Um, Simicas, Canate with his debut. Um, so that was, was good. Good result. Another clean sheet and a few goals for the boys. Sean, Halsey, yeah, Halsey, that's back. what I want to ask you. Like, you, you made a lot of changes at the back. I think that, that's sort of three changes, isn't it? Like, you got um, Trent coming out, Robinson coming out, and Matt Tip coming out. That that seems a lot. Um, yeah, I was a bit worried about back. it. Are they all just rotations or trigged by something else? I guess so. Alexander Arnold uh, was ill, apparently. Uh, but he I wasn't guess in the squad at all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So giving him a rest anyway is fine, I guess. And I assume that was the same for Robbo. They're starting to realize that Simicass is an actual just, person yeah. who can start. He doesn't have so to play all the time. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and James Milner, I guess he can play anywhere. And he did... A pretty good job on uh, Zaha, to be honest. He did, kept so it's, an understa- it's an understatement. It was yeah. Uh, real did you see? Did you see his stats? Um, covered the most distance, um, made the most sprints, and made the most passes. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, I'd believe it. You know, I think Jobber were talking about. Uh, you you were talking about some coaches' tactics about that whole idea of playing using your subs intentionally, where you wear out. You have like your winger, yeah, we left back like firing up and down, and then you switch them off with like twenty to go to bring someone fresh on on that ragged opponent. James Milner did that and then was the sub as well and kept going for the last <laughs> 20 minutes. He doesn't Man. stop. Um, yeah, he's like an engine. So, yeah, he, very he impressive. Was, he was excellent. But like Liverpool, like uh, they're playing so well right now that I think it's like almost understated how comfortably they're winning these games. So, they've had 55 shots mm. in the last two weeks. Like against Leeds, they were really good. And then they were just so much better than Palace. Like even though the goals came from set pieces, there again was that air of inevitability where like they're going to win. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, there was some shock and misses too. Oh, so John- once they once they <laughs> get cleaned up, fuck, that was bad. This is the season that's going to be. That was yeah, it bad. was. It was like such a nice. I thought the header from Thiago was pretty tasty as well. I'm like, oh, I can't believe he saved it, and then. Like, yeah, it's a goal and that was shocking. The commentator did rail on him for a bit being like, oh, why is he going for power? He should have just like tapped it in. Like, it's so easy. I'm like, he hasn't gone for power. It's the technique he chose just yeah, makes yeah. it look like he tried to smash it, but he didn't. Yeah. But, so, yeah, in, was, in that situation, I think he has to hit the roof of the net, right? Because the keeper's diving across. So, he has to what go. what he's going for. He has yeah, to yeah, go yeah, high. Yeah, it's yeah, not I, one of those volleys you have to keep down. But speaking of volleys, oh, let's talk about oh, Navi Cater's volley. Navi. Tasty. Oh. Just the, the thing that I loved about this goal is the footwork leading up to it so a lot of people <laughs> just see work? the um just see the the volley going in but if you watch it headed out he sort of has to like um shuffle his feet backwards and to the left to get into a nice position before he hits it with that that left foot so yeah i think all all his footwork before it, it made it but oh just so tasty he he did have um it was very intentional, yeah, the way he, he knew as it was floating over exactly what he wanted to do. And then he did sort of a – I think they, they referenced – they likened it to a Cantona-type celebration yeah, after he scored. Oh, it, it, settle down, did. boys. No, did. no, I didn't say it. Oh, oh, it, it was – How I saw, dare you? I saw the resemblance of it. Uh, it was definitely – The, the, the uh, stoicism yeah, to just standing there. I, res- oh, I like it. I'm not going to – And he just like, the third the against Crystal, Crystal Palace and you're going, oh, it's Cantona. Maybe he's a fan. Put some respect to Kudelar's name. Did he? Oh, did he um, but you did know, he understand what they're talking about, Job? They're saying that he's the tone of his face, his vibe mm. was a Cantona vibe, which I, I like definitely agree respect. with. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand. Uh, I just don't care. How dare they compare those two players? We're going to get They're not comparing the two players, you fucking idiots. Oh. What part don't you get about this? <laughs> no, oh, my did, God. Did he karate kick someone in the crowd, did he? He doesn't refer to himself in third person, does he? <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, let's move on to the next the next one we've got here. Aston Villa three, Everton nil. Uh Aston Villa really turned the screw in the second half here and just destroyed uh Newcastle Blue, as I've started to call them. 
because they have <laughs> Sullivan Rundon and, uh, and Townsend starting, getting all the Newcastle boys back together. But uh, yeah, it was a good win for Aston Villa, who sort of have been had a bit of a studded start to the season. So, Jebo, what do you think of their performance? Yeah, fairly stodgy first half. Um, like not a whole lot going on. I thought Damari Gray should have opened the scoring, and I genuinely thought he would. He picked up the ball in the eighteen-yard yeah. box and just sort of <laughs> dropped his shoulder, and I thought he'd bend that round. But then, yeah, the one went wide. Yeah, just an absolutely crazy. I think it was about five minutes where. The game just completely turned on its head. So a nice bit of football down the right-hand side. Matty Cash, who is not a footballer that I particularly like or rate, uh, scored an absolutely <laughs> cracking goal. Like, And it was the build-up was stunning. Yeah. I feel like the look Matty Cash is going for is uh, Audi Grealish. Yeah. Like a real exactly. cheapo version of Grealish. Yeah. Wish Grealish. Like, that, yeah, well, Wish Grealish. Yeah. We saw him play uh, probably about a year and a half ago, and I thought he was the worst player on the pitch by a mile. But um, he's come a long way. But then the second goal, what a finish, though. yeah, what a goal! Um, second goal for Luca Dean, like, geez, that ball had some whip on it. Yeah, yeah, and the third goal as well was a um, a quick break for for Villa, and they just, um, I think Ings just turned from the throw and just um, clipped it in over the fence, and Bailey was in acres of space, and then he smashes it home straight past Begovic and shows why he's worth that $30 million price tag. But, um, yeah, I think a really good win for them. Just to touch on that, Barney, uh, with Begovic, like what was – that sort of caught me off guard, him being in goals. What was up with that? Yeah, I'm not sure what the go is with um, Pickford at the moment, but – yeah, I don't. I'm not actually sure what's going on with Begovic's hair either. He's missing a lot up top. Pickford's injured. <laughs> yeah, I assume it's that. But I, yeah, I heard no mention of it before the game or anything. I think I must have missed that. And then I, all of a sudden, Begovic is rolling around with his little yeah wispy hair and <laughs> no, <laughs> it, 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 no Pickford doesn't, it doesn't look good for him. No Pickford, no Richarlison, no Calvert Lewin. Like that hurts if you're yeah. Everton. Um, even bringing yeah. in Rondon, like, yeah, it was. I think that, like, you know, two of those three, maybe one of those three, like, you get away with it, but all three of those three missing, um, yeah, it didn't bode well for them. And then that second half, they just absolutely capitulated. Yeah, that's what I had here as well, Job, that, like, what you talked about. Like, they, they only turned it on, like, that that quality for maybe 10 minutes, but they just blew Everton out of the water. And it was, like, it was really interesting to see a team of, like, I guess where the club of Aston Villa is, to see a team at that level do you like have that quality to turn it on and just like take a game clean out of your opponent's hands? It was um it was good to see, and my dark horse prediction is looking a bit better now after that win. So let's move on to the one job has been waiting for. It was uh, West Ham United one, Manchester United two. Uh, Ronnie with another goal. Uh, United somehow extend this ridiculous away record to twenty nine games undefeated now. Undeserved, in my opinion. But um, a good grind out for United, even though there were a bunch of penalty claims at the end that just weren't given. Uh, Barney, it just seems absolutely insane that Manchester United didn't run away with this game earlier. Like, of the, I think there's three good penalty shouts in there, and I cannot, for the life of me, get my head around how those weren't given as penalties. So the first one, um, I think Ronaldo uh, cuts into the box, and then Kufal comes across him. And just legs him. I'm okay with that one. Yeah, I'm okay with that one. I'm not I okay initiated that in my eyes. The Zuma one, though, I think is definitely should have been a pen. Hundred percent. And like yeah. it was a bit. 
I feel like um, obviously a lot happened in there. Bruno Fernandez whipped a beautiful ball into Ronaldo for that goal. Did you see that? You know Bruno Fernandez, the basically the assist king of the league. Now that's a real assist. Like that is a genuine assist. That one uh, puts that in. But then West Ham um, obviously got their goal fairly luckily, but the build-up play was excellent um, for ben, before Ben Rama's strike. So credit to him there. But um, you just can't keep a good team down like that. And then Jalen's comes on and scores an absolute banger. I predicted this and the muted celebration. I said it would happen. Why did he do the muted celebration? I'm not okay with that. I'm not either. It's just some trend now. It's like it's for like social media clout. That's why people do it, I reckon. I I want to go on the record and say I hate the muted celebration (laughs) and I also hate that um, Jaylings did it. However, if I am looking for a reason why he would do that, um, I said um, said off mic to Job that what I think it is is that he's like – when he went to West Ham, he was out of the England squad and he was looks like he was on the way out of Manchester United. He went to West Ham and was given an opportunity by Moisey and it obviously went really well. He turned his whole career around, found his way back into the England um, setup and and now he's back at United where he actually wants to be. So I think he's I think he sees West Ham as like giving him an opportunity to bring him out of a dark space of, of where he was to, to where he is now. So I see why he's got a lot of respect for West Ham. I just hate it. I'm with you, Sean. Yeah, stick it up him. Sh- Shorno, just for you, what was worse, the muted celebration by Jaylings or the muted celebration by Ianacho uh, against City? Um, oh, the <laughs> Ianacho one. <laughs> Ianacho one was worse because he got binned uh, off over there. It was like West Ham were trying to sign Jaylings and um, and he left to go back to United. So, yeah, Ianacho because he got binned off. <laughs> on the bench for three years and then the muted celebration. All right, boys, let's but get back what, to the United what, game. Hang on. I want to no, talk job, about I want to talk about, I want to talk about Ronaldo um, telling Mark Noble, telling um, De Gea where, which way Mark Noble was going. So I'll set the scene. Mark, um, 90th, fourth minute. For some reason, Noble comes on without even warming up to take yeah, a We didn't penalty. talk about that. If we didn't yeah. learn anything from the Euros, surely we learned that. Noble comes on. De Gea... He's um, trying to look big. He looks over at Ronaldo. Ronaldo's crouching down about 25 yards out and gives him the pointing uh, hand on which way he's going. Uh, Noble takes it. De Gea goes out and saves it and wins United the game. So who is the real hero here, De Gea or Ronnie? <laughs> you wouldn't say that from Messi, uh, would you? Nah, Messi would be on the <laughs> bench. They're the guessing the way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I reckon... I just... I just you go, Barn. Yeah, yeah, Josh. Oh, I was just gonna say, do you reckon that's like players do that do that? That's just like it's a 50-50 chance that they're gonna look like a hero. Like even oh, if they it's think a guess. Or make it's out, definitely yeah, a like guess. they but, but players like you see them, they like want to be like I do the analysis, see, I watch the statistics, I, and yeah, then so I know. I, that's but what they I choose don't. to believe. It's so I, lucky. That's what I choose to believe. I choose to believe that um, <laughs> everyone was like, all right, that's it. Oh, boys, I'll see you tomorrow. All right, enjoy. What do you what do you got for dinner? Yeah, yeah, prawn tacos. Yep. All right, see you later, boys. Renato, are you coming? No, no, I've got film to watch on uh, what way Mark Noble goes on his pants. Yeah, he's not starting, but i got a feeling he's going to come on and take on in the 90th minute. All right, I'll see you tomorrow morning, Ronnie. Yeah, no stone I, I, just like, yeah. I loved how, uh, how De Gea in the Euros wouldn't listen to his whole coaching staff who wrote a list out of where everyone was going, but Ronaldo <laughs> yeah. points one finger and he's like, yes, boss, no worries. I, I want it to come out that like it turns out that Mark Noble has gone seven on one side, seven on the other, so it was just a guess from Ronaldo in the end because it's a 50-50 split yeah. anyway. He knew. He was in Mark Noble's head at this point. 
Um, but I like, think Mark Noble's in Mark Noble's head. But that's that's a crazy way to finish the game, isn't it? Like just a 94th minute pen. Ronaldo should have taken the ball into the corner two minutes before, um, before he got hammered down by Zuma. Mm. But um, like absolutely insane way. But Manchester United stay unbeaten on the road. Uh, I don't know, boys. They're starting to look on track for the title. Job, what, what do you think about uh, Sancho losing his spot and um, bringing in Greenwood? Um, what are we just trying to feed Sancho in slowly or do you think you'd feel some type of way about that? He's got to be upset, doesn't he? Like his performances haven't been great, but I think like you need you need time to readjust back to the Premier League. Like he he wasn't an established star when he left, and I think you got to realize he's still quite young. Um, and the Hammers like it's a tricky game. Like you want to put your best team out there, you can't have any passengers. But yeah, I, it's a long season. I wouldn't read too much into it. Yeah, I, I don't know if like bringing him out actually like. Like, I think he would have given a similar performance being in a team. I don't think he's the problem with the team at the moment. I think he's doing a lot. And like I said, the more games he gets under his belt, the better he'll get and he'll only get better and better. So it was weird to, to take him out of the team. But, yeah, look, maybe they're just trying to manage him a bit more a bit more closely. But, um, yeah, I'm still worried about United at the back job. They look pretty shaky. They're, they're mm. a bit all over the place at the moment. Even with Varane back there, they're still still – Bit sixes and sevens. I'm not sure. Yeah, oh, I thought Luke Shaw looked handy. Anyway, going forward, uh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> no, but I think I think you're right, Barney. And I think one of the things, um, and we'll get to Chelsea versus Tottenham soon. But one of the things you really notice about <laughs> one of the things you really notice about the Chelsea back five setup is like that is so robust. Like that back five of Chelsea just rarely look like it's going to be broken down. But Manchester United, I'm. Yeah, I'm just not comfortable with a back five or a back six like of those defensive teams. <laughs> they just don't quite look up to it yet. It's not. Yeah. A, it's not a system. Like they got undone by Newcastle last week in a four-one win. Like they're getting undone by sort of lesser teams quite easily sometimes. So it's a bit of a worry. That's like that. That's where I would say you guys like wouldn't be genuine title contenders because of that reason. Whereas someone like Chelsea and Liverpool are much more assured in the back line. Yeah, that, that problem will come out at some point in the season, yeah, won't it? Yeah, exactly. Definitely. All right, let's let's move on to the next one here. Brighton 2, Leicester 1. A really good win for Brighton, who've had a fantastic start to the season. I think that's four wins out of five for them now. Leicester, not good for them. Sean, what happened to the boys? Wait, before yeah. you start, Sean, before you start, Harvey Barnes, does he know the offside rule? <laughs> oh, I th- yeah, well, hopefully now. Well, we may as well dive straight into that. But what do you yeah, think? I mean, the I thought the first the, one was, and he was in the way of the keeper. I don't think the second one he was in the way really. I thought the other way around, to be honest. Did really? you? I thought, yeah. So, uh, what, I, do you think they were both off offside? Let's go. Uh, I, thought, I, thought I thought the first one was okay because it was he was so, like I thought he was out of line of sight of the, of yeah, the keeper okay. when that shot was scuffed. So I thought that was okay. The second one I thought. He was still quite. He still had just pushed off the keeper. The first one, yeah, okay. he he disengaged from the keeper. Way I'm, I'm with that, you, so. Holes. I, I think the is it the Indeedy header. I think I'm comfortable. He's uh, offside because he's like right in the mm. path really? of his vision. But the first one, I Indeed, was like, I, I think I think you let the first one go. Like he's nowhere near yeah. it. Okay. Like he's in the, yeah. he's kind of the in the area, but yeah. he's not impacting the game. What, what do you think, Bar? On those, two? I I, th- I think the I think I'm with you, Sean. I think the first one was. Um, Offside, the second one, yeah. yeah, could go either way. But like, even so, I'm sort of, I'm sort of thinking like, why is he, why is he even there on the second one? Like, you've just been done for it just recently. Like, just, I know, like, it's obviously, a, it's, it's a big, it's a, set it's a big, play, though, ta- isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a big tactic. It's yeah. a, like you see many teams doing that, but Do you it. know, yeah. they've just sat really high on the last one, 
and you're already in an off subject, yeah. like just get just get get in line, get away. Like for you sure. can leave you can leave the keeper earlier, especially once it's happened to you in the game. So yeah, it's it's tough tough for oh. uh, tough for Leicester. Yeah, tough, tough for Leicester. And I think, like, obviously the whole game was sort of swung on, on that those decisions. Like, as you can see, we're still split here. It looks like we're two and two on which which one should, should or shouldn't be given. But um, I think I think for me, the second one should be given because Indini's header was, like, going so far in the corner. Like, it ended up hitting, like, the side netting and stuff like that. Hmm. So I'm not sure that him looking straight on and um, – and uh, Harvey Barnes being directly in front of him would affect it that much because the ball was going diagonally across into the bottom corner. Anyway, sounds like we're split on that, and and that was obviously a big impact um, on the game. But yeah, I, I thought Leicester um, looked looked pretty good in this game. I, I thought that their goal, if you see the build up play for their goal, was just so nice from um, Peru. That was yeah. delicious. Back inside, oh. Yeah, and the play inside, then nice ball over the top. Vardy finished. Yeah, like the whole thing just looked so good. So yeah, I, I, again, I thought Leicester. Um, some of their better performances they've uh, this so far this season they've actually gone on to lost, lose the game. I thought this was a reasonable performance, and um, they've gone on to lose the game. Even Brighton's first goal um, was the pen, so I, I did think it was a pen, but essentially it did go to a VAR. So if you look, if you think about it, there's two disallowed goals from VAR for Leicester and a penalty given to Brighton by VAR. So I think yeah, Leicester hard done by, but. I think Brighton are a dangerous team now. They can score goals. If you went back to last year, their biggest problem was scoring goals. I think their XG was like through the roof. It was in like the top half of the table. When you look at where they finished, they were just battling for a relegation. So now they can score goals. They're a dangerous team. And I think, what are they, third or fourth at the moment? So yeah. I think that reflects that. Third. But I think one thing that struck me in this game, um, I think Leicester did play okay. And I think all those things are true. But I do think Brighton probably good for the win. But Vestigard can look quite clumsy at times. Like in more than one occasion, like the penalty, he looked like a Bambi on ice. Um, uh, I, I disagree a bit. Really? You it, keep going though. I'll, yeah, ca- I'll get to it. I, ju- yeah. I just think a couple of times in the box, he looks quite big and cumbersome. But I think that's 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 the trade-off for having a massive centre-half. Like he can be a little bit cumbersome. I, I think they knew that when they came coming in though because he was he, – he'd shown that at Southampton a few times. Like I think one of the red cards he got um, yeah. was because of that reason. Like he's that's, that's like who he is. So I think – his like attributes, his better attributes outweigh those things, and you're going to get that every now and then. But I think they they knew that signing him right. So Fafana is his first choice, but he's obviously got a long term injury, and so is Johnny Evans, and he's injured at the moment as well. So I think yeah, Leicester didn't bring him in because they think he's great and they think he'll start every game and do really well. They brought him in to boost the depth of the squad. So I think if you keep it in that context, job, yeah, I think that that's probably what you're getting. The other thing they brought him in for is his height and his heading ability. So early on, especially in games, Leicester like to press forward. When you press forward, the way to beat the press is to either play through it, good luck, press um, playing through them, or um, you play longer balls. And then that's why you have a huge center half like that for a pressing team because they play longer balls and you can win all the headers. So that was Brendy's idea about bringing him in. But Hosey, you're going to rebut uh, Job's point. A little bit. I, I think that penalty. I I assume you guys saw the replays of the different angles. How like much of a hold Morpe has of him? He can't. He can't yeah. jump. And so yeah. as he jumps, Morpe has got both arms wrapped around his right yeah. arm, and it looks like he's trying to sit on the ground almost to pull him down. And so Westergaard sort of jumps, and his body tilts over, and that's why his arms flailing in the air. I think I don't know how that's given as a penalty to be honest, because if you look at the replay, it's quite. I know that happens all the time in the box and stuff, but I think the fact that. It's 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 enough because it led to a penalty um, that it should be overturned and given as a free kick to to Vestergaard because he's being like 
bare hard to the ground. Yeah, there was two decisions to make. There was two decisions to make on that VAR replay, and they seemed Mm. to only focus on the second one. Mm. Yeah, like because I I looked at Morpay Shithousery, and he's very good at that too. Yeah, Um, but yeah, I, I did. Um, he does. He looks still look fucking clumsy in the air, like trying to whatever the fuck that arm was trying to do. But, but he's um, seven yeah. foot. Of course, he's going to look. He's, yeah, no, but yeah. The, I think like, yeah, more pay falling over Crouch, somebody. Even when Peter Crouch scores a bicycle, it still looks un, un <laughs> ungainly. Yeah, unnatural. Yeah. But yeah, look, it, it, like I think there was that that first half of the decision. He probably was very unlucky. Yeah, I thought Leicester in general were, were a bit unlucky when you consider that and the two disallowed goals. Um, Sixty-three so percent of possession as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, now you're, now you're pandering, Halsey. Stop it. Do you do you think it maybe wasn't a pen because of how close the header was to his arm, and he's like his nah. arms because he's not because they t- the, the rule that change they talked about this year was that like proximity they take in to account mm. proximity to the ball as well as unnatural position. Yeah, I think so. It's like obviously in a very unnatural position, mm. but he's so close to where the header was that it's like it's almost like he couldn't get it out of the way if he tried. Maybe I'm not. I mean, that that is the rule. That's the rule. I'm not a fan of that rule. I think if he's the way his arm was and the way it hit it, like that's got to be a pen for me because that could be it could have been a, a direct goal. But I think the, his arm wouldn't have been in that flailing position if he wasn't being dragged to the ground by another man. Yeah, I, yeah. I think like this discussion just sort of sums up the game really. Like it sounds like we're kind of split on the the handball, whether it was a foul before or after. Even the two offside goals, we're sort of split on two think it was the first one was a goal, two think the second one was a goal. So I think that's why this loss doesn't really hurt that much for a, a Leicester fan, I don't think, because this game could have easily been 3-1 to Leicester. I mean, Brighton looked um, reasonable. Um, I think in the end, a draw probably would have been fair. But yeah, essentially the whole game swung on those three decisions and Leicester on the other end of them. But the, yeah, I mean, that'll even out over the course of the season, which why isn't? I don't think it's a big issue. Yeah, so let, let's move on to something that we're all not split on. Um, so how good are Spurs, Barney? <laughs> Chelsea three, Spurs nil. Are you a bit disappointed in Chelsea for not winning by more? I am just really disappointed in Spurs for the fact that they could push out that performance in the first half and look so good and probably their best half of football this year under Nuno so far for the team and then turn out that shit in the second half and just look like a completely different team. I mean, Chelsea stepped it up a gear, definitely. And obviously the substitution that uh, they made bringing uh, Kante on for, for Mount helps. But um, like the just, oh, it was just so frustrating. I watched that first half because I rewatched it this morning early and didn't check the scores or anything. And I was like, oh, geez, that's a really good first half. I, it's, I'm really like impressed with their performance, especially after last week. And then like, after the um, – like, as soon as they come out in the second half, it's just like a completely different game. Like two different teams almost just turned out and it's just really disappointing to see that. And like that was probably I'd say almost our best 11 on the field and it just didn't look good. Yeah, I think – yeah, like you said, that first half was a good match. Like it was really even and, and it could have, could have really gone either way, I felt. But yeah, like you said, it was a combination of, of Leicester uh, – sorry, Tottenham dropping off a bit in the second half, like for no real reason either. Like they, they weren't even at that level of the, the first half and then Chelsea sort of were like, all right, we're going to crank it up a notch and that really, that's how, that's how they got the result in the end. But I think, yeah, I don't know. That's got to be a frustrating one, I think, as a Tottenham supporter to, to see that second half performance. What do you reckon, Sean? So, yeah, well, I, I agree. If, you, if you're a Spurs fan, it's got to be disappointing. But, I mean, 
obviously you're coming up against Chelsea, who are an unbelievable um, team and they're in great form at the moment. But, Van, I want to get your opinion on the, the Harry Kane. Is he too deep? Is he too high at stuff? So, like, that was discussed just so heavily on all of the the commentary and the, the pundit shows. And then, like, just looking at the um, the teams about how they were, like, plotted and, and lined up, you've actually got Son um, up top and then Harry Kane playing as a 10 um, next to um, La Celso. So, uh, like, what do you make of the Harry Kane but not being there when you need him? Because essentially, Roy Keane was saying that what he needs, he needs to be higher up the pitch so when the ball gets played up to him, he can stick, then you, you guys can creep up the field. When he drops in, you've got no one there and everything becomes a problem from there. Yeah, I mean, the, so they talked about it a lot, like you said, and they and uh, one of the big reasons they he, they did it, or they think he did it, is because, um, like Nuno this is, is because uh, Tagger Silva is at centre-back, um, obviously older, you know, not at his best athletically. Um, and pace they were going to have Sun, yeah, Sun sit on him constantly and then just burn him for pace. And Harry would be out wide. He could get a ball, whip it in the sun, play him through, whatever, right? And that that's it's like good logic. The problem is Thiago Silva had possibly one of his best games in a Chelsea shirt. He was unreal. And secondly is that Chelsea's back line is so solid around him that they could probably cover for him if he gets exposed anyway. So... I think it would work potentially against a different team, but not against a team like Chelsea. And then you see Kane sort of out wide and just gets like, like uh, he just gets left out of the play a lot in that position as well because not going through him. Yeah. So, yeah. But to think you can do that to um, Thiago Silva is a bit crazy, really. Like, I know he's slower and his legs are, aren't what they used to be. But at the same time, like, he's a smart footballer, he's won a bunch of stuff. If he, if he knows that someone's faster than him, he's just going to give himself two yards and and outthink them. Like he's going to think faster than those guys. He's literally made a living off doing that. He's never been like express. So yeah, I just don't think you should. They should have planned for that. And even, like it's easier to say now after the result was the result. Yeah, but yeah, but even in like Tottenham had a great first half, and I would say with a better team. But Thiago Silva was still the best player on the field, I reckon. Like some of the some of the tackles and the way he was reading the game was just like yeah. it was so good just to watch. As like, as like yeah, just he always faster in the than right, everyone, doesn't he? Yeah, he's just always in the right position because he knows he's he hasn't got the pace to beat some people, but he just like knows where to be in the right spot. And it was really really like good to watch, even as an opposition fan. So Barney, I think as you said, Thiago Silva had an excellent first half, but then we move on to the second half, and for ten minutes there. In the start of the second half, Chelsea just looked absolutely unplayable and then just grabbed a bunch of goals. And I think it all started with uh, Marcus Alonso with an unbelievable attempt on the volley. Yeah, that was that was impressive. He was everywhere in the second half and he um, he probably should deserved a goal in the end. But I actually want to actually want to talk about the second goal and I think this is one of the big problems for Tottenham as well. I mean. Conte had so much time on like 20 yards out on top of the box to take two or three touches, hit it, gets a good deflection, goes in, whatever. But like Hoiberg and Ndombele are standing there on top of the box, not pressing him and just setting up like they're going to defend a long shot. Like one of them has got to press him. And I think that's the problem for, with Ndombele is you can only get 40 minutes out of him a game. Like if you looked at him at the end of the first half, he was like, on his haunches, like telling him to play it out the other side because he couldn't he couldn't take another pass. Like that's that's he's so good, but there's no point having a player that good who can you can only get forty minutes out of, I find. Like 
especially if he's not like a striker who's going to be putting in a goal. Like he's a, it, it just, I just can't, can't, I don't think he should be back in the team until he can run out at least 60 minutes. For for me, he's a massive YouTube footballer. So if you yeah, clip together yeah. a four-minute thing of this game, you'd see some mad skills, some crazy first touches, some stuff like that. But you like in practicality, yeah, I agree. He doesn't, doesn't work hard enough. And I think that was why um, Mourinho always had him out of the team. Yeah, exactly. But I think exactly. you can I think you can make a correlation between the first goal and the second goal as well, like in a in a fundamentals of football type argument, because on the first goal, Thiago Silva gets up and he's basically uncontested and Deli Alley turns his back. Like yeah, we've talked about this bad. so many times where it's like you don't necessarily have to win the header, but at least make it really hard for Thiago Silva to get good contact on it. Like, he has Deli another just, header five minutes after too. Yeah, Deli just doesn't compete. Like he just and he's not like there's not a huge size difference either. Like if that's Vestergaard versus Morpay, I get it, but it was two blokes who are fairly similar size. And then the second one, yeah, they just like someone's got to get out there and block the shot. Some of that, some of that zonal defending on corners, I feel like players who are in those zones. Like there was one situation on a corner where Oliver Skip was um, was marking Taco Silver, I think, or Rooney, uh, it was Rudiger, I think, like something mm. ridiculous matchup like that. And I think. Some of those zonal marking, they're just like so. There's like like really hoping the ball doesn't come near him because they don't want to jump for it. And like Deli Ali's okay in the air, not too bad. But I feel like Deli Ali in that situation is like, oh, please don't have the ball come near me because I don't want to get crunched in the back from like someone like Tiago Silva coming through to try and header it, sort of thing. Yeah, I think. Um, but that, that's the thing. Yeah, so they, the players like that, they know that this, this uh, striker's running through and they don't want to get clattered. But they kind of that's how you need to defend that situation. Is if you're the sta- yeah, stationary yeah. player, you need to. He needs to just jump before Thiago Silva gets there, and so then Thiago Silva does clatter him. That sucks a bit, but you get fouled, and you and then you're out of danger. It's sort of like that's that's like a last resort, I guess, but it's still a guaranteed way to defend an aerial threat. Is you just jump. I, I always say that to you, Van. Occupy the airspace, so to speak. Mm. Like you just jump early and into where they want to jump, and they'll foul you. And it's it's sort of it's, like it's mm. disappointing from to see. If from Ali as well because he's been doing all that like real hard work uh, off the ball this year. Like in a new position, he's sort of playing a bit deeper and he's doing a lot of that sort of, um, I guess you call it like Declan Rice kind of role where he's doing the hard yards, intercepting, getting good defensive positions and doing that, that not so pretty stuff. And so it was kind of, you'd think in that position he'd do that again, but yeah, obviously just didn't. And um, yeah, it was obviously a very poor result in the end for Tottenham, but still good to see that Werner doesn't know how to finish. He had the basically he had the grounds of Tot- Tottenham Stadium to wander for that last 20 minutes. Like the assist for the Rudiger goal, he was in so much space inside your 18-yard box. And then again for the chance, like that was a shocking touch. He's a terrible player. <laughs> but he still he so, still he still picks up like a genuine assist in that game. And like he gets into these fantastic positions like time and time yeah, again. I feel like his once positioning's one, yeah, great. Once one goes yeah. in, he's going to get a bag. Like I swear. Yeah, I I'm not sure, but um, mm. so that means Kane is now scoreless in his first four match of the season, and he's only had four shots in Same those four Messi. games. Yeah, him and Messi are going for the longest throughout. <laughs> but the problem, but, um, the problem yeah, for Spurs is very deeper. Poor like it's not necessarily Harry. No, no, I don't think like, it is either. But just yeah. like that stats kind of Daniel incredible. Think Harry Kane is like. Oh, that's, <laughs> But, but no, he's, like, he's not he's not getting good chances. Like they're not they seem to have like a really dysfunctional like middle third going on there. And I think that's because they don't trust the back line. 
Yeah, I think it, I think it is a central midfield problem at the moment. Like, um, yeah, just watching the game today, like, even Hoiberg wasn't great today, and he was, I think he was spent from running so much chasing Chelsea players, but like, and probably the press they were doing so high up and intense in the first half. But yeah, it's a, um, it's uh, yeah, a bit dis- a bit disappointing as a Spurs fan. But we'll move on and we'll get some quick rapid fire results, the games we didn't touch on. So uh, Newcastle won, Leeds won. Uh, really exciting match, not what you'd expect from this one. Um, but, yeah, neither team could get the win in the end. Uh, Wolves nil, Brentford two. We picked Adama, or we should specify, me and Joba picked Adama to break the duck. He did not, and Wolves played terribly. Brentford went on to win even with 10 men, which was good for them. Um, and Watford three, Norwich one. So Watford get the win in the relegation battle, and Norwich look shocking. I don't know yep. if they'll win a game this year. Yeah, ah, oh, yeah, no, probably not. Um, I'll uh, for those of you who are more into the the fantasy realm, I'm gonna whip through the uh, European spots and the relegation zone in fantasy Premier League. So we've got uh, I don't know if this is a game behind. No, this will be up to date. We've got Job of the Hut on top. That sounds like a personal attack on someone here. Fat idiot. Uh, <laughs> Arsenal fantastic in second place. Uh, change name in third, and Moore's men uh, round out the top four. And I'll just scroll. I'll just let me scroll all the way to the bottom to the relegation zone. We've got in the bottom three: uh, Inter Mivan. I rate that name. That's good. Pontiac Bandit. Appreciate that one. And Durry Hills FC. They're all actually fantastic names. Terrible <laughs> fantasy footballers, but uh, fantastic names. Bad football teams. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Do your research and try again next week. Jeb, are you going to touch on the multi for us? <laughs> oh, yeah. God. How piss poor it was. I just want to know in the fantasy comp, I've actually jumped out of the relegation zone this week. I'm the Arsenal of the fantasy comp. <laughs> yeah, just a couple of relegation and battles and got myself Jobber, out of there. Jobba, just before you get started on the betting, I just want to raise uh, an issue that uh, you told me on Saturday night. You said, this is a banker. Go Celtic to win against Livingston. They're paying $1.43. Unbelievable. How did, uh, how did Livingston go in that game? Unbelievable. Livingston are a, Livingston are a hell of a side. Um, I think. Oh, they paying like with with a good. That's <laughs> what you were saying Saturday night. <laughs> with a good run, um, they could win the Champions League this year. Um, between I can confirm them and, that. Yeah, between them and St Mirren, um, I think <laughs> they'd be they'd be red hot favourites if they're in the Champions League. No, look, the multi was an absolute disaster. So we had Leeds United to win, and it didn't happen. Like they were. Not unlucky, but they had a shitload of shots, um, and then it all went south after that. But we go again. We go again. If you want to get in touch with us, email footballpodandpaper at gmail.com, Facebook footballpodandpaper, Twitter at footballonpods. I'm very active on Twitter now. I'm sending a shitload of tweets out to people, um, just a general keyboard warrior. So, yeah, if you want to get in touch, please reach out. Some Man City fan apparently slugged him. Oh, I like Jeremy. Shit, you're old. It was a direct attack at you. Like, you look every bit 30, huh? He'll be killed by a number of men in the dugout. Watch, watch, rumbles on. Pina colada, large one. 